When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 243 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing the concept of generational clutter, which is a fancy schmancy way of saying that on today's show, we are outlining ways to tell your parents and grandparents that you don't want their stuff. (laughs) Now, some relatives are decent about attempting to give you generational clutter. Perhaps they ask you first before just showing up at your doorstep with stuff and unloading it. But generational clutter can come in other forms too. It can come in the form of you visiting your grandmother and your grandmother before you leave opens up her china cabinet and takes out a crystal vase and hands it to you. And she's looking at you with that twinkle in her eye and how on earth can you say no to grandma, right? That's generational clutter. Generational clutter can also be family members arriving at your house for a weekend with a trunk load of stuff from their house, just putting it in your garage. That has happened to me a couple times. (laughs) Generational clutter can enter your home through many routes and many forms, but essentially, generational clutter is stuff from your parents and your grandparents and your aunts and your uncles that you don't want, but you feel guilty about declining. So today's show is split into three parts. In part one, we're setting the groundwork. We're discussing what research says about how different generations view clutter. That's part one. In part two, I'm giving you my best thoughts on boundaries. We'll call it Boundaries 101. That's part two. And in part three, I'm offering up my four-step method for handling generational clutter. So we're going to move right into part one today. This is a little bit of research, understanding our relatives, understanding ourselves. Now, if you are of the baby boomer generation and you're listening today, quick pause to you. If this resonates with you, if what I'm about to say resonates with you, I'd love to hear from you, okay, because I'm not a boomer, (laughs) but I want to know the experiences of boomers. So let's start today by talking about recapping, refreshing our memories about three attachment patterns that have to deal with our stuff. So basically, there are three ways that we can attach to our stuff that, of course, influences the relationship that we form with things. There's, of course, the sentimental attachment, and this is what we're really going to talk about today. This is when we give objects meaning when objects replace or represent a loved person or a memory, there's a sentimental or emotional component. I've done episodes on this type of attachment in the past. I'll link to them in the show notes if you missed them. 
That's sentimental attachment. Another attachment pattern that we could have to our stuff is intrinsic attachment. This is when we see possibilities or alternative uses or potential in an item. So we don't want to get rid of it because it has intrinsic value, or so we believe. I've done an episode on this as well. I will link to it in the show notes if you missed it. And then the third type of attachment we can have with our stuff is, of course, aesthetic attachment. This is what Marie Kondo talks about the most, right? Sparking joy. We're attached to something. We like something because we find it attractive, or we like some specific characteristic about the item. That's aesthetic attachment. Millennials are well known and often made fun of even for having smaller sentimental attachments to things than their parents and their grandparents. Older generations are known for having strong sentimental attachments. Baby boomers in particular tend to associate status with stuff. So when our boomers that we know and love try to give us something that's expensive or valuable or perhaps an heirloom, It's entirely possible that these relatives are trying to help you financially or help your social status, improve your social status, or improve your life in some other way. The gift or the item or the clutter, whatever we're going to call the thing, it's given out of love. They're trying to help you out. Now, that's not to say that sometimes our relatives just give us stuff out of overwhelm because their houses are overflowing. They don't know what to do with the stuff. And so it's easiest to give it to the progeny. That happens too. But 9.9 times out of 10, the giving of generational clutter has good intention behind it. So to recap, older generations often have formed deep sentimental attachments to their stuff. And so when they're passing on their memories to you through their stuff, It's no surprise that they can be hurt and upset when you refuse their stuff. It may seem to you, as it seemed to me in my life many a time, that you're between a rock and a hard place with regard to generational clutter, right? You want to preserve family harmony. You want to preserve family memories. You don't want to cause a rift. You don't want to come off as an ungrateful jerk, certainly, but you also don't want the stuff, okay? So we've established that boomers view stuff differently, but older generations also have an added layer of attachment to the generational clutter. And that comes in the fact that oftentimes our older relatives have taken on the role of family curator. Now, what the heck is a family curator? The family curator, every family has one. In my family, it's my mother now. But the family curator is the person who accepts the obligation of preserving family history, family memories, okay? There's an obligation there. The obligation comes out of love and it comes out of responsibility and it manifests itself in keeping all the generational clutter to preserve memories and histories and meaning associated with the family unit. I mentioned the role of family curator to you because Most families have one, (laughs) and if you don't stop the flow of generational clutter coming into your home, if you're not careful, you are going to be the next generation's family curator. So think about that for a minute. That is my perfect segue into part two of this conversation, which has to do with boundaries. Okay, boundaries. The thought of standing up for yourself and possibly creating conflict in your family can be daunting. I myself, (laughs) 
I myself even have trouble with this from time to time. Why open up a can of worms when it's easier in the moment to just bite my tongue, accept the item, and say thank you, right? I go through this in my own mind all the time. Well, what's easiest in the moment may likely not be best in the long run. And like anything in life, right? No boundaries. Having no boundaries means that people will continue to walk all over you until you draw a line in the sand and tell them to stop. We all have limits. All of us. We know, too, when our limits are crossed. Establishing and communicating boundaries tells the people in our lives when that line gets crossed. Now, I talk an awful lot on this podcast about stepping into the role and empowering yourself as gatekeeper of your home. When we discuss the concept of gatekeeping, what we're really talking about is thinking of your home as a physical boundary. I'm not talking about physical boundaries today. I'm talking about emotional and interpersonal boundaries. If you need convincing on why it's so important to establish those boundaries, know that research says that people with healthy boundaries have better self-esteem, greater independence, and an enhanced sense of being able to conserve their own emotional energy. When you seek to establish those boundaries with your relatives regarding generational clutter, I have two tips for you. The first is to do it early. If it's at all possible for you to put that boundary in straight away, at time one when grandma offers you that vase, at time one when the in-laws drop off the carload of stuff, it's going to be much easier down the line to maintain that boundary as opposed to biting your tongue, biting your tongue, biting your tongue, biting your tongue, and then imposing a boundary two years in. It's going to be confusing for your loved ones too if you impose a boundary after not imposing one for years and years. So if at all possible, set it early. If it's too late for you to set that boundary early because you have been biting your tongue and accepting items, I suggest you remember that while the best time to enact a boundary is in the beginning, the second best time to enact a boundary is right this second. So go ahead and do it. And then once you do it, be consistent with it. Don't let your boundary slide. Once you draw that line in the sand, hold your line. Letting your boundary slip and taking this crystal bowl one time and this armchair another time again, leads to confusion on the part of your older relatives. So be consistent. One final word here on boundaries is that a person with healthy boundaries understands that making their expectations clear establishes the behavior you'll accept from other people, and it also establishes what behavior other people can expect from you. Okay, I hope I convinced you to establish boundaries if you haven't already. We're going to move into part three of this conversation which is exactly how to do that, how to establish those boundaries, and how to stop the flow of generational clutter from entering your home. We're going to talk about all of that after a quick word from this week's beloved sponsor. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, HomeThreads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection 
They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we are back. We are discussing generational clutter, and we're on to part three of today's show, which is how to tell your older relatives you do not want their clutter. (laughs) So it's a four-part process I want to talk to you about today. And part one, it goes without saying, but I have to say it, goes without saying, but I'm saying it anyway, (laughs) is to make sure you actually don't want the item in question, right? So older items made in generations past tend to be quality items. They're made from real wood, for example, brown wood, but wood nonetheless, right? Electronics and appliances have been made with care, with quality materials designed to last. Not sure if I've talked about my mother's um, my mother's coffee grinder on this show before, but she registered for a coffee grinder in 1982 for her wedding And 40 years later, it still works today. So when my coffee grinder died after about 13 months, she asked me if I wanted hers. It was sitting in her basement, perfectly working, no problems with it, certainly old, but it works. And I needed a coffee grinder. I said yes. So that was a time when the item that was being offloaded onto me was something that I could use and love on. So step one is to make sure you don't actually want the item, okay? Assuming you do not want the item that is trying to be given to you. Step two is to give yourself a moment to gain some perspective and take a deep breath. (laughs) So many potential conflicts can be solved with a good old deep breath, right? Now, I should say here, I'm working on this. Things come out of my mouth faster than they first go to my brain. (laughs) So things come out of my mouth and then I regret it later. I can stop that pattern with just a good old-fashioned deep breath. While you're taking your deep breath, while you are deciding how to respond, remember that your family is offering you this item or these items or this furniture set. They're doing that out of a place of love. They're not trying to be malicious. They're not trying to crowd you out of your home. They are not trying to clutter your living space. They are trying to help you. 
Remember that they're trying in a lot of cases to improve your financial situation or your social status because don't forget, boomers especially tend to associate stuff with status. So take a deep breath, understand where they're coming from, and then get ready to set your boundary, which is step three. As you decline the item or items, I suggest, step three, you be firm but gentle with an explanation. It's very common for older relatives, parents, grandparents to be insulted when you decline. It can hurt their feelings when you decline. I suggest you state loud and proud as many times as you need to that it's not that you don't love them, the relatives. You love them very much. It's that you don't love their stuff. I suggest also here you give specifics if it makes the job easier for you. No, Grandma, I don't need that vase. I already have a vase that size and that color, and I don't have room for yours. But thank you so much. Or that armchair is lovely. Dad, thank you so much for thinking of me, but I already have an armchair and I have nowhere to put it. So give specifics as to why you cannot accept it. Say thank you. Be gentle but firm. I also suggest here too, if you have relatives who are in the habit of giving you back gifts that you have given them, I suggest you reinforce the concept of the gift-giving cycle. If you gave your grandmother a gift when you were 10, maybe you bought her a scarf, let's say, and your grandmother holds on to that scarf for 30 years, and then when you're in your 40s, your grandmother gives you that scarf back or wants to give you that scarf back, I suggest you remind her that the gift-giving cycle starts with somebody giving a gift and it ends with the recipient accepting the gift. We don't continue the gift-giving cycle by then, generations later, decades later, giving the gift back to the giver. That's not how the gift-giving cycle works. If grandma no longer wants or needs or loves on this gift, it's on her to responsibly declutter it. And that brings me to my fourth and most important step of the how to deal with the generational clutter problem. And that is offer your help. Help can come in many forms. I suggest you offer technological help emotional support, and wisdom. Remember that your job is not to absorb your relative stuff into your home. Your real job here and where you're most useful is to assist your relatives in unloading their items responsibly. So let's start with technological help. It is entirely possible that your relatives do not know how to list an item on the internet. Okay, maybe they have a Facebook account. Maybe they seem technologically savvy, but they have never used Facebook Marketplace before or they've never used a buy nothing group before. And the thought of uploading an item, listing it for sale, giving it away can seem incredibly daunting, perhaps to them. So I suggest you help with the technology side of it. When my grandmother died, she died suddenly, and my mom and sister and I were tasked with emptying her home very quickly. So my mom was in charge of everything, and my sister and I kind of adopted the role of helpers. The best way we were able to help my mother with that gigantic task was to list the items on the internet 
to be given away, donated, or sold. So my sister took 15 items, let's say. I took another 15. We uploaded the pictures. We wrote the descriptions. We set the price in some cases. We did that for my mom. And I believe that if my mom was here today, if I was interviewing her right now, she would say that that was immensely helpful for her because it took something daunting off of her plate. Perhaps you offer that technological help to your relatives if they need it. Another type of help or support that I suggest you offer is that emotional support. Remember that a lot of times relatives are hanging on to generational clutter out of obligation or out of guilt or out of grief. You can best serve not by absorbing the clutter into your home. I argue that you can best serve by sitting there and being prepared to be the sounding board for your relatives' emotions as they work through their guilt, their obligation, their grief as it pertains to their stuff. So offer your technological support, offer your emotional support, and finally, I suggest you also offer up your wisdom. And if you're listening to this and saying, what are you talking about, Stephanie? I don't have any wisdom. You have been listening to this podcast for a while. The podcast has been in existence for four-ish years. So I'm willing to bet that you've learned a thing from this podcast, from other decluttering or minimalist podcasts that you've listened to, that you can impart onto your relatives, maybe best practices for dealing with sentimental clutter, where to donate that old piano that was Cousin Brian's, what to do with all those academic textbooks that have been sitting in the attic. You can help and provide support for your relatives who would like to declutter. Because remember, they probably aren't in the decluttering or minimalist world. This is a foreign world for them. And you can provide the wisdom as well as be the bridge for them as they seek to handle the generations of clutter in their home. So the final word here is that, of course, we could just quietly take grandma's vase and bring it home and declutter it on our own, say thank you, smile, take it, and then do what we want with it. That's certainly a possibility, and we've all been there. But my final word for you today is to remember that when you bite your tongue and smile and take something that you don't want, take a piece of generational clutter that you don't want, you are essentially communicating to your family that you are open to accept stuff. Biting your tongue and saying nothing actually communicates something quite powerful to the people in your life. I suggest, and I hope I've given you some motivation and encouragement to verbalize the fact that you are not interested in the emotional clutter. And instead, instead of taking it and decluttering it on your own, assisting your relatives in whatever way they need, technological, emotional, assisting them in decluttering these items themselves. It is not your job to declutter for them, but it is perhaps using your wisdom, using your expertise. It is perhaps in your wheelhouse to help them with the task. So listeners, I so hope I hit the nail on the head for you with this topic. Reach out to me. I love to hear from you. Uh, my email's in the show notes. Social links are in the show notes. You can find the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 243. I will see you on Tuesday for our regularly scheduled interview. I will see you then. Have an amazing weekend. Please stay healthy.
Take care.